and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be breaking down the Thunder's latest game against the Boston Celtics. Basically going to be talking about Trey Mann for the next 20 or so minutes just because of how crazy he was in the game. And then I'm also going to touch up on SGA's recent up and down patch on the injury report if it means anything and what it could mean heading into tomorrow's game against the Orlando Magic. And to top it all off, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. But guys, going into yesterday's game, you have the OKC Thunder riding a nine-game losing streak. Major game against the Orlando Magic on Sunday, and it's the second night of a back-to-back. SGA back out of the injury report. He's on the floor. You got Trey Mann as your two guard. He was looking amazing off the bench uh, whenever they were kind of moving him back and forth over the last week or so. So they decided to plant him in as a starting two. And they had Aaron Wiggins, Darius Baisley, and Isaiah Roby rounding out that core. And on Boston's side, I mean, they've looked good all year. Jason Tatum has had a hell of a season and they're pretty well-rounded. I saw on Twitter, somebody has a arm tattoo of Boston Celtics 2022 NBA champions. So he's putting a lot of faith on this team. They're a very good team, uh, but we'll have to see if that actually comes into fruition. But they ruled out a lineup of Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Grant Williams, and Al Horford. He made his return back to the Paycom Center, and I guess he never has played in the Paycom Center since it went by the Chesapeake Energy Arena last year, but he got an ovation when he got checked in from the starting units. In all reality here, this was a full-strength Boston Celtics team for the Thunder. You already know how extensive that injury report is, so they're going to go out and try to swing a little bit. Didn't work whatsoever to begin the game. Boston damn near shattered all their hopes after two minutes. They were up 13 to nothing. There were a variety of turnovers for the Thunder. They couldn't get anything to fall, and they were just looking for something. And Aaron Wiggins was able to get him out. He got them their first layup of the game. But then the Celtics just kept building. 17 to 2. They were up 15 points. Uh, just a little bit inside three minutes into the game. And for Mark Dagnalt, he wasn't calling a timeout during this stretch. He was letting it just ride out and started to see a, a little bit of cohesion. Darius Spazy was able to down two buckets, but you're still looking at like a 15-point lead midway into things. And it really just remained that way the entire first quarter. They were always a step ahead of OKC. There was a solid performance individually, from Darius Baisley, he had seven points in the frame, same with SGA, but just from start to finish, like, the Celtics just had their number, so they were up 38 to 18 after 12, that's pretty damn ridiculous, man, you can't let that happen, and when I was watching it last night, you know, you always got to keep in the back of your head that Memphis game in December, where they lost by like 74, 76 points, most in NBA history, thinking in the back of my head here, hey, they keep this up. That's a new NBA record. That's an 80-point win, and 
traditionally that that doesn't happen. Like the Thunder are down 20, 30 points sometimes, and they'll make it close at the very end. But that's just what I was getting off of things. They were looking amazing. They were shooting 57% from the floor, 6 of 13 from deep, and 8 of 10 from the line uh, for Boston. And Grant Williams was actually the main man with 10 points for OKC, 2 of 7 from 3, 36% in all. They needed a spark plug. And oh my goodness, did they get one. And this didn't start immediately in the second quarter. You still had the spurt of Boston just kind of controlling the tempo here and not letting much slide. And it was going to stay part of the course of it being a double-digit lead. Then you enter the realm of Trey Mann. He had one three ball that went in in the first quarter, but he was relatively quiet. 6.06 mark of the second quarter guns out and hits a catch and shoot three next possession another three-point shot off the catch next possession transition pull up three next possession step back three and the next possession a running pull up three this man went five for five in a span of about 150 seconds like Two minutes, 30 seconds, 15 points from Trey Mann. Nobody could contain him, and he kept on going. But this little segment here from Trey was absolutely insane. 6.06 mark all the way down to the 3.40 mark? That's not even two minutes and 30 seconds. Actually, it's a tick or two below that. And that was the most special run I've seen probably all season from a Thunder member this year. And there have been some good moments. Like we saw Giddy at the Garden. Trey Mann was really good in that game as well. SGA had a three-point game winner. So I guess maybe there is some competition here. But the way the arena just like lit up. And even from the TV screen, I bet you guys are probably like this too. Like, you know, you are getting insanely hyped up about Trey Mann. You're getting insanely hyped up about this team and what it could be because Trey Mann has been flashing all this potential. He's already had a 30-point game this year, and he continues to drop double figures. But 15 points in under three minutes? That just doesn't make sense. But it does with Trey, just the way he plays. I'm not even sure if any of them touched the rim on those five shots. It was just easily popping in for him and... By the end of this thing, you had an 11-point game, and you were looking at a 20-point deficit going into the quarter. So all the momentum was riding on the Thunder. You had to have a timeout. The Celtics immediately called one to try to kind of patch things up, and initially it did. Then about a minute or two goes by, and then Trey Mann wants to go inside. He takes Peyton Pritchard one-on-one. This was the biggest mistake Pritchard made, probably all game, and he got completely torched. Just easy drive-by layup for him. Goes in a little bit later, another three-point shot for good measure, and another driving layup for good measure. 22 points for him. In the second quarter, that's the most we've seen from a Thunder player this season. Doesn't matter if you're a rookie, doesn't matter if you're SGA, any of them. That's the most we've seen, and it's the most we've seen in franchise history from a rookie. And this is one where he dropped 20 points maybe a week or two ago, and he trumps it again. He was just the star, and he goes into halftime on track 
for a 50-piece. 26 points tied to his name, and it's a 14-point game. Celtics are up 65-51. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around with the way I segmented it because, hell, Trey Mann was a one-man wrecking crew, but Celtics, they did have some team play. Definitely didn't have anyone comparable, though. Jason Tatum had a hell of a quarter. He had 14 points, but you're almost getting it doubled by a rookie, and you're getting it off of 8 of 8 shooting in the frame, 6 of 6 shooting from 3 in the frame, and he finished halftime shooting 9 for 12 and 7 of 7 from downtown. The 7 of 7 alone already tied him with a franchise rookie record of made threes. Tied Alexei Pokushevsky whenever he had that insane game. I think it was against the Suns or the Clippers, one of those two. He hit seven threes, and Trey Mann does it in a matter of 15 minutes. He didn't even play all 24 to get to the point margin he was at. So he was just playing out of his mind. SGA only had seven points. Baisley didn't score really at all in the second quarter. He only had 10, but it really didn't matter. I mean, Trey Mann was having himself a field day. And, you know, that's that's what you take away from the first half. I don't know what Boston could have done in this situation just because you know, maybe you could have doubled, maybe you could have hedged or something on screens, but he wasn't really using the screens. He was taking you one-on-one. He was going between the legs to drive inside, or he's stepping back and in transition. I mean, that's just tough luck uh, for them, but yeah, he was just inflamed from all over the floor, and for the Celtics, I mean, they already had four double-digit scores, so they they did a really good job just kind of sharing the load here, but they slow down and Trey Mann continues, that's going to be a loss for the Celtics and Trey Mann's going to be dropping a 50 piece on them. So you go into the third quarter and then you start to see a little bit of hush hush from Trey Mann. He didn't score it all in the third quarter, but SGA, he was able to pick up some slack. He picked up 10 points on the quarter. Darius Baisley got back in action. He had seven points and Alexei Pokushevsky he was able to get nine points, and OKC dropped 33 points on the frame. It's pretty good, but it's not good when you allow 43 points from the Boston Celtics. So they raised the bar. They're up by 24 points going into the fourth, and Jason Tatum has himself another insane frame, had 14 in the second, gets 10 in the third quarter, and Boston shot six of 10 from downtown on threes. So Kind of think that this is one where Dagnault pulls the classic, like, hey, we're letting Lindy in, we're letting Olivier in. Just kind of give those maybe more rare prospects some time. And that's completely fine. I would have been cool with that. We saw that numerous times last season, but he didn't want to do it. He kept his starting unit out. And on the flip side, the Celtics had to keep theirs as well. Jason Tatum had to play 12 minutes. Jalen Brown had to play 12 minutes. Derek White was out there, the full extent of things. And it's because you had SGA balling out. Trey Mann started getting back into action. And they were able to whittle down the margin from 24 points all the way back down to 11. That's pretty damn significant. If you're able to make that swing, props to you. OKC was able to do this in a pretty quick fashion, and by the time that you're looking at, you know, the last, like, three minutes of the game, it is a genuine toss-up, and it got even lower 
than that 11-point margin. It got down to 10 at some points. They're tapping on the window of getting into single digits, and they did. Two-minute warning, it's a nine-point game. And could that be seen as insurmountable? I guess. But in actuality, two minutes to get a nine-point swing is pretty damn common. So OKC continued to just keep themselves in the action, forced the Celtics to just go perfect at the foul line. They're able to go 404 in a stretch. Baisley, he was able to kind of get some shots, but it just wasn't enough. The timer was not on OKC's side. And as a result, the Boston Celtics took the game 132 to 123. Big stuff from Trey Man. Big stuff from really everybody in this game. And I want to go into that in one second here. But first. I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the college hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all month long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers. Then track your results. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any college hoops team to win, and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus age requirement restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Guys, I want to emphasize how big of a night this was for Trey Man. He's been killing it this entire season. He's been killing it in particular the month of March and even post-All-Star break. He got to spread his wings in this game. And as a result, he got himself in the record book in a big way. 35 points for the rookie on the game. Man already had a ton of accolades in the first half, but he finished it off with a new franchise record. Most points in Thunder history by a rookie in a game. Think of all the different players who have come out of Oklahoma City. You don't count Kevin Durant. His career high as a rook was 42, but he was playing for the Seattle Supersonics. But think beyond that. Think Russell Westbrook. Think James Harden. Think of some of the other guys that had pretty good rookie campaigns as well. That's going to be an extensive list. And in terms of it, that's a very hard group to be contending with. This is a group of two MVPs. James Harden's always in the scoring champion conversation. He's gotten there before. Russell Westbrook is getting crazy stats all the time. Or with the Thunder, he most definitely was doing that. And despite that, you know who's number one? It's Trey Mann, the number 18 pick in the draft. When Sam Presti was going through the motions during the draft, 
Trey Mann was there at 16. He considered taking him there from what I have heard. He trades the 16th pick. Alperin Sangoon's the guy. Everyone's going crazy about him. Personally, I thought at the value, you go with Sangoon. Yeah, you get two second round picks or two first round picks. That's really good value, but they're protected selections that are most likely not going to convey for a long time and they're not going to be really that ripe for like lottery odds. I thought 16 was the best you were doing. I thought Sangoon was the best guy you were getting. He trades him away anyways, and he still gets his player in Trey Mann at selection number 18. When I was evaluating him out of Florida, I really loved his ability to drive inside. I thought the step back was beautiful, and I think he shot like 40% as a sophomore. So everything was in place, but I kind of still had them in the group with like Nishan Bones Highland, where you're a really good shot creator, but probably going to take some time for you to really just dominate your craft at the next level. There's going to be some up and downs. And with Trey Mann, there hasn't been any up and downs for a while. This man is just going straight up and... He's at a peak right now, but can you really limit what his ability is? I don't know if there is a peak with what he's doing. He clawed from being in a three-man just battle for minutes with Ty Jerome and Teo Maladon to now being in the situation he is today and being one of the most valuable assets the OKC Thunder has to offer. 35 points again, guys. Does it on 13 of 21 shooting. The last shot was just like a random end of game, like let's chuck it up. It got blocked. Might as well say this was a 13 of 20 performance. That's 65% from the floor. And from downtown, he was nothing short of unconscious with those seven main threes. And he tied it all up with seven rebounds and four assists. He was playing street ball out there. Like the comparison I put on Twitter was... Whenever I was big into like playing NBA 2K, I had some pretty solid like point guards, you know, and they'd be a shooter, probably be like 6'4", 6'5", might be able to speed boost. The big thing is though, I'm just cheesing. I'm doing all the dribble moves that get me wide open and you know, you, you kind of get how it goes. If you played 2K, if you had a point guard, you understand how cheesy this game is. Man basically exported my guy onto the basketball court, emulated it, except with me, I was terrible. I was not hitting all my shots. Dude's greening every jumper in sight for him. <laughs> it was like a video game performance. And in those like two minutes of thir- in 30 seconds where he was just hitting shot after shot, the suspense was there, the hype was there. And you didn't want the ball in anybody else's hands. Truthfully, you could have probably kept it in his hands for a little bit longer. You would have yielded a lot more baskets. So this is one where you're very excited for Trey Mann if you weren't already. But my God, that that stretches uh, just something so, so special from him. And looks like he'll probably be able to make that more than just a one-time cameo. But outside of just my really stupid video game analogy, like... It was just ridiculous to watch. And combined with Trey Mann, SGA was also right there with them. He had 31 points, so 66 points collectively. And you kind of have that aha moment where it's like, yeah, these guys could be something together. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was awesome. And you still don't have Josh Giddy back. You have this first round pick in your back pocket you haven't utilized. So 
yeah, you can start to see kind of the wheels turning and what Presti is doing and what the roster construction may look like. Trey Mann's been exceptional both on and off the ball. I talked about that in yesterday's podcast. And yeah, on the ball was definitely the strong suit in this game. And really everything was. Just what a freaking show from him. And with SGA, I mean, these 30-point performances have gotten to the point where you don't even bat an eye at it. And that kind of shortchanges just how special of a player he's been this year, where he's driving inside constantly. You're having teams playing box and one, packing the paint, and it doesn't matter. He'll still get to the free throw line. He'll chuck up 14 free throws, probably make 12 of them, or he'll go like 80% in the paint. And he doesn't even graze the three-point arc. In this game, he tapped in all three levels. It was beautiful. He went 13 of 23, four of four from distance, and he only had one free throw, and he had nine assists to go along with everything he was doing. Second half was kind of where he came into his own. You had Trey Mann just completely dominate, but you needed that kind of pick-me-up because Mann wasn't really given the light of day. 24 second half points for SGA. So you have 26 from Mann in the first half, 24 from SGA, just passing the torch and yeah, it was beautiful to see them work in harmony together. Alexei Pukashevsky, too, was great. I mean, he had arguably the worst game of his career uh, two days ago. 3 of 20, 1 of 10 from downtown. Yeah, he's had bad games, but did he have that, have that sample size before? Like, I don't think so. At that magnitude, he was shooting 15% any other time. So he needed a big big game and he definitely delivered he placed 17 points in the second half did so on six of seven shooting and he tied his season high with 19 points had six rebounds to go along with it and paired it up with three assists poku has always been the guy where you expect bad games and you're like is he just going to stay at this level? Is he going to remain like pretty bad for the next week or two? And the answer has commonly fallen to yes. Hasn't been that way after the All-Star break. Like He's still averaging like 11 points, maybe 7.5 rebounds. And he's doing it primarily off the bench since he's returned. And the efficiency has been nothing short of amazing. He's found his role on the team. Uh, he's been really good really as a downhill player. He's still lurking at the corner. I think he's kind of got the distribution a little bit better to where he's not only like at the left wing and just shooting 28 footers when that might not be the best look to take. Even if it is open for him, it might not be that amazing. So he's kind of honed in on his skills, kind of done a better job picking and choosing where he needs to attack. And he did a great job kind of going into the attack points against Boston. You had some great guys from Boston too. Like I'm just talking about man, SGA. They were great. Jason Tatum was actually the guy who led the game. He had 36 points. Grant Williams had 20 and Jalen Brown ended up with 25. But yeah, that three-headed monster you had uh, between them was great. And Darius Baisley kind of gets outcasted here when honestly he shouldn't be. He had 22 points and 10 rebounds on the game on 8 of 13 shooting. This was offensively probably one of OKC's most complete games. They shot 52% from the floor, 46% from three. They went 17 of 37 from there, by the way. 
and then they went 10 of 14 from the charity stripe. Tie it all up with 23 assists, and you have yourself one hell of a ball game. Only had 11 turnovers to show for it as well. So this was not a sloppy game. That's kind of how things have been, where they'll just fumble a couple possessions, and that's going to get them to the spots where you check out SGA and all that. Yeah, there was never a point where they were not fighting. Even if the score didn't project it, they were always putting the pressure on, and you had to force the Celtics to deliver. They shot actually worse from both levels uh, than OKC. They shot 51.2% from the field and 37.5% from three. Only 15 made threes to OKC's 17. But they really just had to go to the line, and the whistles were going in their direction. They shot 34 times at the stripe. That's 20 more than the Thunder. And they finished with 19 more makes at the stripe. So you take those away, that's an entirely different ball game where the outcome is just entirely uh, changed. But yeah, it was neck and neck. It just came down to making those freebies and really just did an excellent job for Boston. But for OKC, it pits them in a spot now where Trey Mann's going to be insanely hot. SGA's hot. Poku's hot. They're hitting a really good point as a team right now. And they're facing up against the Orlando Magic yet again. This is an Orlando Magic team that just lost to the OKC Thunder. Or they just won, excuse me. And the deficit has really dwindled for uh, reverse lottery standings. The OKC Thunder are 20-52. and The Magic are 19-53. and That is a one-game margin between the two. And Detroit is deadlocked, two-way tie for second place. OKC's right there at number four. If Orlando defeats the Warriors tonight, it's going to make it a half a game difference. And then if OKC is able to lose in their next game, they're going to jump into the top three for lottery discussions. And they move from being stuck at number four, stuck with the 12.5% shot to the 14% chance and... For those on that tanking crew, you're going to be salivating at this thought. So this could very well be OKC's biggest matchup. I'm going to get a game preview specifically for this one tomorrow, just just because um, how significant it could be. So make sure to tune into that. But yeah, uh, make sure to keep tabs on Orlando if they do end up beating the Golden State Warriors. But before I round out this podcast, I want to talk about SGA and kind of the up and downs we've seen from him um, in terms of like injuries. And last season, it was a season ender, plantar fascia, plantar fasciitis, you're going to be gone. And for the Thunder, in that state last year, you're not going to risk your star player when you're fielding starting fives of Teo Maladon, Poku, Moses Brown, Josh Hall, and kind of whoever you want for that uh, final remaining spot. So he rolls back into this year playing out of his mind and then you start seeing him fall into the injuries he was out for about a month before the all-star break comes back and he's been playing better than ever 30 point game after 30 point game now though you're starting to see some right ankle soreness and he's been sidelined i think two or three um where you're kind of thinking like is he cool typically you could write it up as like a, a load management almost where you look at it on the injury report and you're like yeah this is pretty strategic you're doing this against the orlando magic but not the boston celtics i know what's going on 
And I I thought that maybe some of you guys did. You do need to look at it though, because if it's legit and it's nagging, which is something that Mark Dagnall actually mentioned, um, you need to address it. And I don't know if it takes like a week or two out from play. If it's something where you can duke it out till the end of the season, I guess you try riding along with it. But you got to talk about it. And with Dagnault, you know, he's he's in the mix. Like the actual direct quote is SGA's feeling good, but his ankle is not responding great after every game. And that's why he's day-to-day and questionable in all these reports. We have to see tomorrow morning where he's at. And this would have been for what the report is today. So... Yeah, he's kind of ping-pong in between the injury report. He's listed as questionable against the Magic tomorrow. And we'll see kind of where he ends up on that spectrum and if he does play. Very unique lineups might come out of tomorrow's listing. I think this is another game where SGA might take the day off. Like, he played two days ago against the Celtics. If you want to get an extended break, now might be the time to do it. Maybe that gets you back to 100%. And you're dodging a game that has significant lottery implications. Now, Mark Dagnall has said that he doesn't care about this tank stuff, and the players sure don't. That's how it should be. They should not care one lick about these draft picks, and they should probably be trying to win. I think that that might like invigorate them almost in a sense to... Uh, to perform especially for like some of these bench guys they need to play really well uh down the home stretch here but you know for twitter we'll just call it how it is you want to see maybe like a one point loss tomorrow and for me i think it could make things pretty damn interesting if that's what we witness down the home stretch okc claiming that third spot and then orlando having to play back on the chase So I'll talk about that game tomorrow, get you guys a recap after the conclusion, and we'll have a lot to chat about because this could be a very big game at stake. But other than that though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.